Here's a question. How does an ordinary person land their dream job in the sports industry immediately after graduating? Welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast, your bite-sized guide to enter the sports industry. I'm Ruben Williams. And I'm Ryan Walker. In 2017, we said goodbye to exams and hello to full-time work. This is a behind-the-scenes reveal of exactly how the best sports industry professionals in the world created careers that most only dream of. We believe every dream job in sport is worth chasing, and that's why we want to give you the tools to make it a reality. For a proven process to getting jobs in sport, download our free ebook. How to Get Jobs in Sport, The Sports Grad Method. You can get this for free at www.sportsgrad.com.au. Hello and welcome to The Sports Grad Podcast. My name is Ryan Walker and with me, as always, is the very professional Ruben Williams. How are you today, mate? I am fantastic, my friend. You've gone with two words today. I'm not sure that's allowed. Yeah, I mean, strictly speaking, and I've, I've actually checked the rules um, for whether this is allowed in terms of adjective, but it is allowed if it's an external influence who is, you know, okay. and to, to give these two words. And that has come from the Sports Code podcast biggest fan, Joe Walker, my mum, who was here in Melbourne visiting um, for the weekend um, and was... I, I was basically about to do the podcast and she was just leaving, very emotional goodbye. And I said, what's an adjective for Reuben Williams? I know you've never met him, but you know all about him, obviously, because you've listened to every episode and she hears me babble. Um, and she said, mm, I think very professional. Uh, and I was like, mm, okay, no problem. I think I might have said that before, but I <laughs> should play on. Um, Excellent. Uh, straight love, mum. beautiful. Love that from Joe. Uh, great to hear she's listening every week. And it's no wonder you are glowing today. You you look like you've had a, a hug from mum. You look great. Yeah, no, nah, I, I I feel good. I mean, once you have a hug from mum, you're flying. So I mean, when when better to do a podcast uh, than after that? So let's shift away from mum. She's got a few mentions on the pod recently, so we need to maybe ease that up a little bit. But today, Cam Vincent from Golf Australia. Absolutely awesome chat. A few, you know, really good points he made around, you know, getting through such a tough period in the sports industry, but also how he's, you know, really been able to sort of shift through Golf Australia in terms of different roles and whatnot. So, um, one of the one of the great things he said was how golf triumphed throughout this tough period. So, Obviously, you think about golf and you're like, well, you don't play with 15, 20 players like you would in a footy or a soccer or a cricket. So, um, he really spoke about sort of some ways that they were able to get through the period and probably do a lot better than they thought they would um, because golf is, you know, you can space out a little bit more. So, that was really interesting to hear from him. Yeah, definitely. And might I add, just listening to Cam Vincent feels like a hug from mum as well. So, even if you're just on your walk in your podcast, you can still get that feeling on the Sports Grade podcast. Anyway, uh, one of the other things that Cam mentioned was this conversation that he had with the CEO when he was still an intern at Golf Australia. He'd been there for eight years, or he has been there for eight years. And in his first couple of months, he went and had a conversation with the CEO uh, that led to his current job because he just stated his ambition there. And so, the story of how he was able to get those uh, get that meeting with the CEO and how it led to where he is now. It was fascinating, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then last but not least, he, he takes us through how he built a strategic plan for Golf Australia, which was which was awesome, gave a really good answer to that. So, definitely tune in for that. Might I add also, 
with Cam on the Sportsgrade podcast. It completes the house with none other than Mitch Woods, who um, they are housemates. So you're getting the very best here. Um, I think was number two podcast in 2020 as voted by the fans. So you know you're getting something quality. So load up your iPhone notes uh, and enjoy this chat with Cam Vincent. Cam, welcome to the Swarthscrape Podcast. Thanks for having me, gents. Um, I know I certainly would have appreciated something like this many years ago, uh, trying to find my way into the sports industry. So congrats to the both of you for doing something about it um, and helping those that are coming behind us. And um, I'm grateful to have the opportunity to uh, hopefully give any advice or just tell a bit of my story that um, might help someone else coming through. Cam, are you a golfer yourself? And if so, what is your handicap? I'd love to know. Look, it's a long-winded way of how I did end up in the golf industry. Um, I'm very fortunate that my my late grandfather got me into the game. I fell in love with it sort of uh, early teenager years um, and, and played it right through my um, my days at various levels. I'm very much just a social golfer now and, and probably has very little to how I've ended up in the high-performance department at Golf Australia, but uh, playing off a handicap of, of three at the moment. Whoa. Jeez. <laughs> I thought like quite impressive. What's like a average handicap? Like 10 isn't 10 quite good and you're hitting a 3? But like, I think great. anything below 20 is good. Yeah. As long as you're enjoying the game, I don't think it really matters. That's the beauty of <laughs> I know that's a show. Modest. <laughs> as long as you're enjoying it, that's the beauty of the handicap is that it brings everyone um hopefully to a standardized level. So um, yeah, that's one of the great aspects of our, our game. Fantastic. Well, we might have to get you to give Ryan and I a lesson sometime. We both probably wouldn't even be eligible for a handicap. But moving on to your career, you've been with Golf Australia for almost eight years now. And across that time, you've had a number of different titles from Golf Development Administrator to Championships Coordinator, Manager of Championships and Rules, and now High Performance Operations Manager. Cam, what on earth do they involve? Good question. Yeah, I've been really fortunate um, across a number of years to, I guess, develop my own career within Golf Australia. I think, uh, you know, some will tell their story that have uh, jumped around a little bit and, and gone from organisation uh, to organisation to continue to develop their skills. And I'm, I'm grateful that Golf Australia has probably given me that opportunity to stay um, and still get that same um, opportunity to grow as an individual, uh, reeling off the different the different roles. I, I got my opportunity in the participation development space. Um, it was just a short term contract that they offered for me to come across. I think it was about eight months. I'd just come fresh out of uni. I'd done an internship uh, at Elite Sports Properties in their marketing and events team. I think they're now TLA worldwide, um, and I was just. Pumped, I was wrapped to just start um, get any get my hands on anything really. Um, so in that participation space, I was working on a sort of casual golfer program, uh, helping run a few events, um, cleaning up some CMS database work. Really, I was just doing whatever uh, I was told and whatever I could get my hands on to try and establish myself in the in the sports industry. I was really lucky that at the end of that. That contract and opportunity came up in the championships department uh, and they offered me 
that role. It was my first full-time sort of employment, full-time um, start in the sports industry. So absolutely jumped at that. Um, we spoke just before about how I loved golf. So, you know, it was sort of starting the journey in the dream, the dream career space. Um, that was looking after our national amateur championships. So uh, just a really core sort of event management role. I did a few bits and pieces in the off season of that role again just trying to get my hands on anything that I could uh, and then got an opportunity to take the management position there um, again probably just a more senior role similar sort of space working on our professional opens in an operational capacity and then um, working hand in hand with the event management space in golf is rules so dealing with your day-to-day -day things that happen out on the golf course uh, we're a little bit different to some other sports um every sport has has their rules but i think the golf course probably brings up some of the most bizarre circumstances that can unfold when you're dealing with animals crowd uh all sorts of things so um developed a craft in the rule space and had an opportunity to be a referee on the uh, australasian tour uh, working with um some of the professionals there out on the golf course and then uh through uh, a bit of a change um, through the golf industry, which was the one golf process where we went from a federated model to sort of a more aligned organisation with some of our state associations. Um, I was gifted an opportunity or, or lucky to get an opportunity in the, the high-performance space, which uh, has probably been a passion of mine um, throughout the, my career, but a hard one to crack into. Uh, so, uh, again, very lucky to, to take that chance and, uh, two and a half later, years later, I, I find myself there where dealing with our elite amateur and young professional cohorts and my role, and I guess where I hope to sort of add value to the team is in that administration operations area. So um, helping with policy development, contracts, um, really providing uh, support to our, our general manager of high performance and um, helping him with some sort of pathway and um, just setting up the, our Australian program. Cam, the major tournament that comes to mind for me is the President's Cup a couple of years ago. What role were you playing during that? I was a spectator, which uh, like like a lot of us, which was great. Uh, the, the US Tour, they're just a, a powerhouse of an organisation. Um, there was definitely some involvement from a Golf Australia perspective. Um, we had Cam Smith, uh, one of the Australian representatives in the internationals team who we're very proud has come through uh, our Queensland program and uh, and represented Golf Australia and, and the Australian uh, golf public proudly. So um, his coach, Grant Field, is in our, is the uh, Queensland coach for us. So we're, we were well connected from a, an athlete perspective, but uh, I had the, the great pleasure in just walking the fairways like everybody else and um, soaking in some of the, the big names of um, the golf industry um, and just wishing I could do what they do. Are you the, the kind of fan that shouts out in the hole once they tee off? Uh, uh, you're going to need to, um, I hope you've got a beat button for, uh, for that response and what I think of some of the people that that do that i'm not sure where their mind's at it's not something that i personally would do um it uh yeah it's just one of those things that and and the tennis fans that um yell out halfway through a serve i think um they're passionate 
and we love that, but I think there's a time and a place, so that one's not for me. Yeah, the, the tennis ones just shit me, uh, if I'm being honest. Like, you're holding up the game, stop talking, whereas the golf ones, like, everyone's around it, but, yeah, pro- probably not great. Um, so, going back to your sort of change in roles over the years, did those switches in roles sort of evolve naturally or, or were some of them sort of roles that you were you were looking at over a long period of time and, and eyeing off to eventually get into them? Um, or, you know, just talk through sort of your approach to how you progressed. Yeah, it's a good question. I think it's probably a combination of uh, timing and, I guess, uh, me having my own thought process in, in where I wanted to concentrate uh, my career and my journey in the sports industry. Um, and so those two hand in hand have kind of helped get me to where in the role that I am in today. Um, I mean, certainly starting out my career in that participation space, it was just grabbing an opportunity that presented itself. Um, it's not necessarily the area that I, I wanted to finish my career or, um, you know, really progress and, and make my own. But uh, I think uh, the whole reason for this podcast and your membership base is that it's hard to get a start. So you need to take um, take an opportunity that presents and getting myself into the industry um, was definitely sort of the reason behind taking that role. So uh, that was sort of around the participation space. Again, just took the opportunity when a full-time position made itself available in the championship space. I'd had some event management um, experience, albeit only a small amount in that participation role and in my sort of internship and some short contract work at um, ESP. So, again, a little bit of timing. Um, I guess the advice or that when I sort of reflect on that question, I was always very inquisitive. I was always open to uh, just trying to learn as much as I could, um, talking as silly as it sounds, networking with those within the organisation, um, just talking to all the other departments, uh, understanding how they function, why they make certain decisions um, and making myself front of mind for when potentially an opportunity did come. And I, I would think that that played a part in being given that full-time opportunity uh, in that event space. But really, I've always had a passion for high performance, uh, working with athletes and helping them, uh, I guess, just develop into people and get the best out of them from a performance level. But it's a hard area to crack into, um, rightfully so. You know, a lot of ex-athletes find their way into the high-performance department. They've got such a great understanding having been there and done it themselves and are then able to apply that that skill and knowledge. Um, you could be a service provider, but I wasn't a physio or a strength and conditioning coach. So I had to um, bide my time and, and probably work out how I was going to uh, add value to a department like that and really that's in that um, you know management and administration side of things so uh, again a little bit lucky that there came about a, a new organizational structure through our, our one golf um, realignment in the, the sport golf industry uh, and was fortunate enough to get 
offered an opportunity in the high performance department and and grabbed it with all it um you know went all in and uh and really enjoy that and that's probably where I, I see my career developing for a long period of time now cam i really liked what you said about being inquisitive on a like a really practical level were you approaching your boss saying hey i really like what's going on over in this department here or i don't know at all what's going on in this department over here do you mind if i spend a day shadowing or just picking the brains of the people within golf australia how did that sort of play out for you i was probably uh, ignorant uh and sometimes you can say ignorance is bliss uh certainly in this example I, I remember sitting down with the ceo of golf australia early days i had no right to do it i had little to no experience i'm not even sure if i was full-time at this point uh maybe i was early days in in my championships um coordinator role but i just spoke about my passion to work in high performance and I wanted to make it known to to him that that was where I'd loved for my career to develop, um, albeit knowing that opportunities were going to be few and far between. Uh, and I just asked for advice whether, you know, um, he saw that that was a potential for me and how I could go about growing as an individual to get that opportunity. Um, now, dumb luck, good management, uh, I don't know, a bit of both, but I have found my self in that department now um but on a more sort of micro level uh to answer your question i really like to understand the why um why managers why um sports administrators make certain decisions around policies around um just general um strategic decision making so that lends me to just ask a lot of questions so um when you're working in a, a smaller organisation, I think a great opportunity is that quite often there's a lot of um, cross-department work. You get an opportunity to do bits and pieces in a number of areas or work closely with other departments. So with that comes the opportunity to, uh, I guess, ask questions about areas that I didn't know the answer to. Um, and, again, you know, if I was providing any advice, I don't think anyone ever um, finds it an issue that if you don't understand something um, to just ask um, there's nothing worse than and I've done it before myself you w- you walk out of a meeting having pretended you knew what was being discussed um, and then you're scrambling to try and figure out later on what that meant uh, whereas I think just putting your hand up and saying you know can you explain what this means or why you're making this decision uh, I don't think you'll ever be um, punished for that in fact i think you'll be um applauded for it i think um and i'm not sure if you experienced this ryan there's almost like a a period where you can get away with almost anything in the start of your career like you spoke about the the ignorance of um approaching the ceo i think when you're like at a certain stage early in your career you're kind of like you know, not expected to know the hierarchy or, or way of working whereby you can get away with just going straight to the top. Whereas if, you know, if you're three or four years in, you might be expected to know that there's a certain process to, to follow. Um, so one thing might be for anyone listening is if you do if you do find yourself in that position, go ahead and, and take advantage of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, overly ambitious, I think, uh, would be a way to describe that whether it had anything to do with um, 
I guess, being front of mind when an opportunity presented itself. I'll, I'll never, I'll never know. But uh, yeah, I think you're definitely spot on there that you have an opportunity at the start of your career to just um, to just do as you please and and play. What is it? Ask for uh, better to ask for ask for forgiveness, forgiveness rather than permission. <laughs> yeah, I think that's yeah. spot on. <laughs> Great period of work, that, that first <laughs> period, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> can do no wrong. Or you can because often you're on a sort of like, what do they call it? You're on probation. Probation. That's the word I'm looking for. Mm. So you can do wrong, but, mm. yeah, you're right. Um, Cam, we've, uh, like we do for all our guests, we, um, we've scoured your LinkedIn uh, and found that Development of the National Pathway Strategy is part of your job. Um, are you able to talk us through the process of developing this kind of strategy and then what sort of an impact does it have on people playing golf? Yeah, you've got to be careful what you write on LinkedIn. You might get called out on it like a resume these days. Um, hope, hopefully, I can provide a bit of clarity. It's a public resume. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You've got to be even more cautious what you write on it. Uh, you never know who's looking. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, I can answer this one though. Uh, look, I, I think from a from a macro level, you know, uh, speaking on behalf of of Golf Australia, our our vision is to inspire more people to play more golf. That's um, not only for Golf Australia, but hopefully for you know the other organisations within Australian golf. Um, I know that's a, a core function of of um, an alignment piece that our organisation's working on at the moment. Now, I think that needs to sit at the top um, and all departments, certainly within Golf Australia, you know, how how do we connect uh, at a smaller level to that, that vision of Golf Golf Australia? And from a high-performance perspective, um, you know, we see that as developing um, Australian athletes that go on to inspire the next generation so the more eyes that we can have um, of golf being on the TV, in the media, in the spotlight, acting as role models um, and doing that through um, high performance um, on the professional tours, um, we know um, and the data shows that, don't ask me for the statistics, but when um, Hannah Green goes on to win her first major or when Adam Scott um, wins the Masters many years ago. That has a real impact on um, grassroots and um, just general participation of the sport. So um, I've been really lucky uh, to work under um, my general manager who who sets out a really clear strategic direction for the high-performance department that, that begins with a GA vision uh, and then works down to that sort of micro level of what we can do um, as a program and as a pathway for high-performance sport, uh, our objectives in totality, and then as individuals, uh, how my role helps deliver those objectives. So um, that's sort of, in a, in a nutshell, I think, um, how some of that, that strategic pathway work um, comes to fruition, you know, from, from on a smaller level or talking more towards um, our high performance program. We have four tiers 
tier four is is really our engagement and connection with that that young um, junior golfer really developing trying to develop a relationship building trust with the athlete um, your tier three is your sort of development program that's when they're starting to come through into that sort of elite um, that elite uh, participation competition space where we're providing some daily training environment service provision competition opportunities um, and then moving through to your tier two is your real elite amateur basically within 18 months to two years of their intention to turn professional and then moving into tier one which is for our, our young professionals within five years of um being a professional golfer there's a scholarship program where we case manage them and help provide development opportunities and just get them get them started um, there's a lot of work uh, it's a really long journey for a golfer um, from even when they're coming through our high performance pathway to um, sort of reaching a top 100 world ranking where they're um, basically self-sufficient They've got a service team around them. Um, they're financially stable that they can go out and compete for really long periods of time um, internationally. So um, that's sort of the real short overview of our, our program. But I think you need to always fall back to that, that vision and that strategy so that when you do get the outside noise, um, because high-performance sport loves to have a bit of outside noise from those that are passionate but not necessarily on the inner sanctum, um, I sure know I provide a bit of feedback to my local AFL team um, and other sporting clubs and, and golfers do the same. So you just need to always be able to point back to that strategy. I think it helps you uh, you make decisions when you're, when you're under pressure or also um, trusting the process. You know, it can be a really um, long journey. So you need, to, you need to stick to that process so that you can actually see it through. Cam, you mentioned that the pathway for a golfer can be quite long. And some of the ages of golfers, you know, you know, there are professional golfers who'd be like 60, almost 70 years old uh, playing at the moment. So if you're getting into the pathway, do you have to be a certain age to be in a Golf Australia pathway program or do you just have to be at a certain stage of your career? Because you could potentially be coming, you know, professional from an amateur at the age of 40 and still have 20 years of professional golf ahead of you yeah it's a good a good question the short answer is no in terms of an age restriction um, we don't have any age restrictions around our um, varying tiers coming through the pathway but there needs to be an asterisk to that and that is we only have limited resources and we also need to use um, use data that um, of those that have come through the pathway, those that have um, gone before us in terms of um, what the statistics would say in terms of an athlete at a certain age and how they're tracking comparative to others um, based on their world ranking, um, yeah, their technical ability, a, a varying wide-ranging scope of what makes an athlete successful. So um, whilst there's no age limitations, there tends to be um some boundaries where we're making some of those tough decisions because ultimately um, we can't and we don't have um, budget to just fund everyone um, so you have to make some tough decisions and, and some of those decisions need to be made around um, some of those um, sort of selection criteria for lack of a better word can obviously 
impact of COVID has been huge across all sports, as we know. Um, but more interested around what what's been the impact on golf um, here in Australia, but also overseas as well. I think golf's actually a really unique sport through COVID. Um, I think in the short term, when we first went into lockdown, um, there were some real alarm bells, probably like there was for every sport, I would say, and just the general population. Uh, if golfers, uh, and I'm just talking about, uh, I guess, from a, a casual social um, local club member perspective here, if they're not playing golf, they're not paying their membership, they're not, you know, golf clubs aren't making their revenue, um, the impact and flow on that that has um, for the sport and and for us as a national sporting body uh, was concerning. But then as it turned out, golf became one of the only sports that was able to continue, Um, certainly in Victoria and through through the other states. It actually became a real opportunity for us while some other community sports you know, your, your footballs, netballs, uh, they weren't able to play, but golf was allowed. So we had a lot of uh, transitioning um, members coming across into playing golf. It was a real opportunity for growth for us. Uh, all of a sudden, time slots at your local golf club were, were booking out. Um, you were getting new people coming to the game. So we've actually seen uh, some real growth for our sport and the challenge now is how do you how do we keep them? Um, so we don't want it to just be a blip on the radar of a spike. Um, and we say job well done. Global pandemic, we had a, a growth in the sport, and then it returned back to normal. But it's a real opportunity for the clubs to um, retain them as members, and they'll inevitably go back to other sports or uh, for whatever reason they came and started participating in golf. But um, we want to keep them, and we want to continue to continue to grow i guess from a high performance perspective uh it was a really challenging time for us um and still is our our amateur athletes are getting really limited competition opportunities uh, a real core part of our pathway and, and development is to give them international um, experience so that when they do turn professional and are hopefully competing on one of the major tours, it's not a shock to them. So that's a really important part of our pathway that they're not getting at the moment. Um, so we're, that's a, it's a tough one to try and create. There's been some domestic opportunities, but it's really hard to replicate what it's like to be in the back blocks of Malaysia playing in an event, um, not being able to speak that the language, traveling by yourself or, um, you know, being able to book your own accommodation and um, just managing yourself as an individual and then being able to perform under those circumstances. Uh, but from a professional level, we've been able to um, get a lot of our athletes back overseas competing, um, but it's been really dependent on the particular tour they're playing. The scheduling has been a nightmare for them, um, trying to be able to jump from country to country uh, depending on the, the sort of status that they have. Not all of them just get into every event week on week. It can kind of depend on where they sit um, in the particular category of their tour. So um, that's been a real challenge. And then the sort of the core aspect of that is well-being of the athlete. So some of them are unable to return to Australia where they would normally, um, you know, potentially every couple of months come back, reconnect with family and friends and get um, a bit of a refresh, whereas they're stuck 
um, overseas. They may be waiting three or four weeks between in an event, uh, and that can have a real impact on their well-being, especially when uh, they're stuck in what you know the tour bubble. Um, they're not able to go out and leave the hotel and just relax. Um, they're stuck in a hotel room. It's practice, compete, hotel, and repeat. So there's some been some real challenges there um, that we've we've had to work through. So it's been a tough time, but it's been tough for everyone. So everyone's got their story. I'm sure there would have been a, a fair few, um, you know, practice games inside hotel rooms, chipping a little practice ball into a, into a cup, chucking yeah. on TikTok, getting, getting a million views. <laughs> Do you provide uh, what are those nets where you can tee off inside your hotel room? I think like maybe it was might have been tennis, but there were these nets that they were using to like fully play inside their hotel room. <laughs> I haven't seen the nets, but I did see the mattresses being uh, yeah. put up against the wall so that they could just continually belt tennis balls. Yeah. And if I was uh, if I was staying in the room next door, I'm not sure how well I would have handled that. <laughs> But, uh, look, I can only imagine what the golfers are getting themselves up to um, with a, a bag of balls yeah. and sticks and God knows um, what else they're, uh, they're trying to achieve similar to the tennis players. You, you wouldn't want to, um, yeah, fade one right and it uh, hit, hit, hit the light <laughs> or the roof or, or something of the sort. <laughs> I haven't had to cover any expenses for broken windows at an uh, international yeah. hotel room, so that's great. I was going to say you probably should have damage in in your budget. Build that in for the next year or so because I think hotels may be getting hit. So, um, Cam, golf was one of the really interesting uh, sports, as you mentioned during COVID. Like people, as people as restrictions started to lift, you could go running for an hour and then two hours, and then you could leave your five kilometer bubble. I'm talking about specifically in Victoria. Australia, and uh, there's a lot of argument supporting people being able to go out and, and play golf. However, that was kind of held back for, for quite a while. What was um, Golf Australia's response to this? Yeah, it's a real challenge for, for Golf Australia. Um, obviously, we wanted uh, people to be able to play golf and use that as a leisure activity. I can't think of the terminology now that sort of matched the, the government regulations, I think recreation or, or something to that effect. Um, it's difficult. I know uh, when I'm out on the golf course, I uh, probably see my playing partner on the tee and then I'm off in the trees I'm somewhere else. I'm um, out on my own and there's a real social distancing element to golf. So I completely understand and I myself, you know, was frustrated uh, that golf uh, wasn't allowed to be uh, played at a various stage, specific, you know, uh, I think predominantly in Victoria. Uh, but it's a balance. I think um, the health and safety of the community is bigger than golf, and I think that had to be at the forefront of decision-making. And to be fair, we were just guided by government uh, at that particular time we wanted golf to be uh, as back to normal, as busy as it possibly could be, uh, but ultimately we weren't able to make any of those decisions and were just guided by government regulations at the time. Uh, we had to do our best to just communicate that message um, to golf clubs, keep them in the loop so that they could then um, send that message down the pipe to their members and, and those that wanted to, to play the sport. But um, 
I know that there was you know lobbying behind the scenes um a lot of discussions with the uh, um you know sport and rec departments of government but ultimately um had to respect the decisions that were being made by by government for the health and safety of the community as loud as sam newman was uh unfortunately <laughs> it just wasn't safe <laughs> that was bizarre wasn't it remember that that was good yeah yeah, I, do. I remember like in the news it was like there was genuinely like a lot of buzz around Sam Newman. I was like, this is just so irrelevant right now. Like, why are we doing this? Anyway. He's a passionate golfer. Well, I guess we love him for his yeah. passion for golf, but I'm not sure he, I'm not sure he did the industry any favours yeah. uh, during those times. It's like, yes, we're, like, we love what you're doing, saying let's go play golf, but, yeah, leave us out of this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, Cam, you were like Golf Australia was one of many uh, organisations that had to deal with um, stand downs. Um, how did you personally deal with that situation? Yeah, it was. Uh, I think golf certainly in that early stage when when it was just a great unknown of of what the future lied for the sport um, had a real impact on uh, myself and and staff within Golf Australia. I think I was uh, stood down in maybe in total for around two months, but um, you didn't know that at the time. You were just stood down, I guess, in, indefinitely um, and just had to make the best of uh, a bad situation. Certainly didn't hold it against the organisation for making the decisions that they did. Um, and to be totally honest, uh, when no one could play sport, uh, there was, you know, a real reduction in in what we could do from a high performance perspective. So uh, that was understandable. Um, it's, I think, it's really easy for me to probably answer this question now um, that I've got the the benefit of hindsight and um, and a time to reflect. But I just, I guess, looked for what opportunities uh, were available. Really, you can only control what you can control as much of a cliche as it was, but I had no bearing on the ability to come back to work uh, and I just had to roll with the punches at the time. Uh, as it turned out, through sort of a couple of, of personal circumstances, um, I ended up moving back to regional Victoria. I think that turned out to be a blessing in disguise given some of the, the lockdown restrictions in, in Victoria. Um, my father... Uh, works in the trade industry and the apple has fallen very far from the tree. I'm hopeless on power tools. Uh, I know little to nothing about that industry, but uh, he was working <laughs> on some some big jobs and was able to still work through that that COVID time. So uh, I went back back home to Bendigo and um, tried not to to chop my hand off with a few power tools and just help him as best I could. So uh, look, I could have looked for I guess another um, part of work, you know, more um, financial security, but had sort of been receiving great communication from Golf Australia that there was light at the end of the tunnel um, and therefore, you know, I knew it was a short time. I took the opportunity to go back and, and reconnect with, with family and um, and learn some new skills that I'm not necessarily uh, I, I can promise you I will not be making a career out of it, uh, but they're skills that I didn't have at the start of COVID. So um, I'm not sure if that's a great answer, but um, and I'm sure a lot of people did a number of other things, but for me uh, it was opportunity to keep learning, keep asking questions um, and just get the best out of it. So 
Um, thankfully, it was a short time um, and we were able to return to sort of a staggered uh, part-time work before building back into full-time work and uh, it certainly gave you a great appreciation that uh, I'm very lucky to do what I do uh, and it's great to be back working um, with athletes and, and with a passionate team that's just trying to get the best out of um, out of our pathway and, and the people that we work with. Absolutely. I can totally empathise with um, how you might have felt during that period and it's awesome to see uh you know, what you're up to now and how you're able to push through that. Um, for those students out there who, you know, would have, would have experienced similar feelings in the sense that they're not sure what lies ahead, what advice would you give to those students who, um, you know, still probably a bit unsettled by this situation? Yeah, it probably falls back a little bit on to um, what I just spoke about in terms of being able to control what, what you can control. Uh, I think the sport landscape uh, has been hit pretty hard like a number of other industries, but I'm really confident that uh, it will grow again and it will come back bigger and stronger and that will take um, take some time. But sport is such a powerful um, piece of community and I think there will be a lot of... Um, a lot of energy put into getting sport back to where it was and then continuing to grow again. So whilst opportunities may be few and far between at the moment, I think you can take that opportunity. Uh, and this is something I certainly wish I had done younger in my career, but it's finding your purpose and your why, um, understanding what you want to do but but why you want to do it um, and that's going to help you, I guess, with some direction in terms of what the next opportunity may be. And now in saying that, I'm not a mental performance coach. I'm not a um, sports psychologist. So um, take that with a, a grain of salt. But um, I've you know, really enjoyed just trying to learn a little bit more about myself, what makes me tick, why I'm passionate about doing what I do. And I think that helps form... Um, you know, a, a plan for what potentially lies ahead. Um, your career path is definitely not linear, certainly not in my circumstance. Whilst I've been at the same organisation for a number of years, you know, it was pretty evident that I've um, had a number of different um, opportunities, different departments that I've worked in and, and been able to develop a sort of broad broad skill set. But, um, yeah, and eight years ago I may have wanted to work in high performance but it was just that's just not how it works you can't necessarily just start where you want to finish um so take the time have a think about um what your end goal is or just an you know what your passion is your purpose um and i think that's that eventually an opportunity will present itself awesome well cam we might leave it there for today but thank you so much for coming on the sports grad podcast it's been awesome to chat to you um, and just some great advice there, um, you know, right there at the end, bang, like find your purpose, find your why. I think that's absolutely invaluable for students out there. But just great to hear about your number of roles at Golf Australia and how you've really negotiated the past eight years there, um, which is really impressive. So um, thanks again for your time today and uh, we'll, uh, we'll be in touch. Loved it, boys. Thanks for the opportunity. All 
Alrighty, Ruse. Well, that was absolutely awesome chatting to Cam. Um, what are some of the great points that you, you found from that discussion? Yeah, fantastic chat with Cam. Uh, I think the big thing that I'm taking away from this chat is longevity. He's been there for almost eight years. He didn't start where he wanted to be, but he's found a way to get there. And so I think the number one thing you can take away from Cam is to play the long game. If you persist and if you keep being inquisitive and if you keep uh, directing your energy in the right direction, then eventually you will get to where you want to go. But you've got to play the long game. So I think, um, you know, having that goal in mind uh, and being prepared to stick to it is uh, one of the things that Cam has done really well and that other people can learn from him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, One of the things I took away was, you know, and I think we speak about this a little bit, but it's around, you know, finding your purpose and finding your why. So, you know, why do you want to be in this role or why do you want to get into that specific area of sport? And, as soon as you find that, I think that just allows you to really focus in on a specific role you want to get to and what do you need to work on to get to that. So, as soon as you sort of find that out, I think it's a really great tool for you to just hone in on where you want to go. Definitely. And finally, for me, I think what we can learn from Cam is make the most of that sweet period of bliss where you're in the first six months, 12 months of your career And you can get away with anything. You're not expected to know the hierarchy. You're not expected to know some of the protocols. So if you feel like going straight up to the CEO and asking for a chat is a good idea, then absolutely do it because it might become a bit more awkward the later you get into your career. So while you've just started, make the most of that sweet period of bliss. Fantastic. Well, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Hey team, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your friends or your classmates who also have to figure out all of this sports career stuff. As you can see, this podcast is practically a masterclass and it's free. And you and your circles deserve to have it. So please share it far and wide. Finally, when you're ready to make sense of tackling jobs in sport, go check out the Sports Grad Method. This is an ebook I wrote based on eight years of trying to get into the sports industry and teaching others how to do it too. All of that is condensed down into a proven process to getting jobs in sport. If you're like me and enjoy things broken out into logical steps, then I think you're going to enjoy it. To get a hold of that, download it from www.sportsgrad.com.au. Thanks again for listening. Chat to you soon.